You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, it certainly feels like the NFL season is revving up with the major news drops that we are seeing over the last several hours. Um, Just getting caught up on some stuff here. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports an AFC personnel evaluator said the Broncos are tailoring the team's offense around Russell Wilson. So this uh, this is major news. Some random evaluator says the Broncos are going to try to, um, build an offense around Russell Wilson. I apologize to those of you who uh, struggle to sense sarcasm, but um, good Lord. (laughs) This is painful. We're so desperate for news. Of course, they're tailoring tailoring their offense around their quarterback. I understand the, the implication here is that, well, Seattle didn't do that, which is obviously ridiculous. Maybe not to his liking, but there isn't an, an, NFL team in the league that doesn't build an offense that somehow complements their quarterback, especially when your quarterback is Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or really anybody, right? I mean, the Bears are trying to build an offense around Justin Fields as they should. It's a quarterback-driven league. I, I, don't, I don't know what the alternative is. Just, just blows my mind that this is, uh, this is, this is how bad it's getting. Anyways, uh, all that leads up to a, a massive crescendo in, into what is more massive NFL news. Um, Rob Gronkowski is done with football and the Bears shine, uh, signed Nikhil Harry. Yes, this is a bit dated, but y- you know, I don't intend to spend a lot of time here. <laughs> I'm just kind of going back and scraping up the scraps. Um, Rob Gronkowski retired which, I mean, he already retired, but he, he says, I'm done with... Okay, Rob, whatever. We know you're done with football because you retired, but we also understand that it's possible that you decide you're not going to be done with football. It's called changing your mind. Anyways, moving on to the Chicago Bears uh, thing. The, the only reason I decided to go back and, and scrape this up... And I, listen, I understand it's not fair to um, find two, three, four posts on social media and try to apply that to all Bears fans in the world. I get that. Just because some people are posting about Nikhil Harry really bolstering the Bears wide receiver unit and bragging about how much they're better than the Packers wide receiver group now that they've got Nikhil Harry, all that stuff, um, it's not fair to assume that all of you are that dense. But here's the thing. It's hard to find too many Packer fans that are super excited about Sammy Watkins. There might be a couple, or, or, you know, there's at least the feeling of, well, maybe, but I don't think you guys realize this doesn't put you over the top, right? I mean, you, you, you get that, right? You made some kind of a big splash free agent. We did that like months ago, an underwhelming signing of a guy that, you know, you kind of hoped had more potential, but hasn't up to this point, but maybe he can do something here and kind of a schemey fit thing. Also just sort of a, we need to do something thing. Yeah, we did that. We took care of that already. So, you know, if, if you pull out the Nikhil Harry card, it's like, yeah, dude, we got, the, we, we got that Trump, man. You just forgot about it because nobody talks about it because nobody, including Packer fans, even care. So why don't you just get in line with the rest of us and recognize this is a nothing signing of a guy that has done nothing? Yeah, but he's a first-round pick and maybe he could be somebody. Yep. Again, we got that guy too, all right? We've been through all that. We didn't have to give up picks for it, which I know you guys love doing that stuff, giving up picks for, for guys. We just handed them a pittance and said, uh, sir, would you please come try out for the Packers and see how it goes? And he said, okay, and decided to um, start working out again and stuff. 
So look, you got Nikhil Harry. I get it. Cool. And and you guys are in the same situation as us, where it's not entirely impossible that he ends up being the number one wide receiver, just because it's so dire elsewhere. I mean, there there is Mooney, probably the number one, but you know, just ultimately, what I'm saying is pipe down. <laughs> you guys just embarrass yourself with this stuff, you know. Like everybody looks at it and shrugs. If you guys would just look at it and shrug and go, hmm, okay, nobody would care. But when you start screaming and beating your chest and saying stupid stuff like now we're better than our wide receivers are better than the Packers but nobody will admit it or whatever it's like dude would you calm down you guys are like that super nerdy kid in school who doesn't realize he's not smooth with the ladies you know what I mean you're like McLovin no self-awareness whatsoever just sit down and be quiet and say, you know what, this year's going to suck. Hopefully, you know, we'll start building somewhere. Justin Fields shows some stuff, and, um, you know, we can start adding talent. Probably take a year at a minimum, bare minimum, if we just absolutely knock draft and free agency out of the park. Um, otherwise, you know, couple, 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 two, three years and whatnot, be good to go. But just stop talking, dude. Stop. But anyways, we are all caught up on NFL news over the last, like, three days. <laughs> That's it. Uh, moving on to Green Bay Packers news. Mark Murphy kind of just talked about his whole retiring at 70 thing and was like, you know, it wasn't really an announcement. I just stated a fact. I, I don't really have a choice at 70. I'm booted off the, uh, well, not booted. You get emeritus status, whatever that means. I'm guessing it's like, you know, we're, we're going to give you this title, that says you're still kind of the guy, but you're definitely not. You got to go home now and let somebody else do it. Honorary title or whatever. I don't know. But he went on to, to kind of state, you know, what, what, what do you get? You got three years. What are you, what are you going to do? Here is uh, what he had to say. Well, well, I guess the obvious would be, you know, a championship. Uh, you can turn around, uh, you know, the football facility. I'd like to see that. Uh, that should be finished up next uh, in about a year from now. And then further development, Titletown. Uh, but no, I'm, we've got a lot of good people here. We've grown as an organization, but I think we've uh, maintained a very positive culture. And, you know, I think we all view ourselves as stewards, that you know, we want to leave Lambeau Field and the Packer organization better than we found it. And hopefully that's been the case. So I just want to, um, it wasn't massively insightful, right? It's, we want to finish the construction we started. We want to win championships and uh, that's about it but here's the thing I, I I have said this before I think Mark Murphy has been a very good president I also am very much of the mind that things could absolutely get a lot worse I, I I'm trying to always trust that they'll do a good job in finding the right next person you know maybe could even be better I don't know but appreciate what you got while you got it I guess is all I'm saying we got three years of the current structure as it is, doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers or the players necessarily, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy will be intact for, for the next three years. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I just know there's a lot of anti-Mark Murphy sentiment out there, and it's just something to consider, you know? Anyways, I got a question from uh, Justin in the Facebook group addressed to me and JJ. JJ threw his uh, answers in the comments, so I'm going to walk through these a bit. He wants to know over-unders based on numbers he set up. Number one, Watson, Dobbs, Rodgers, 1,500 receiving yards, over or under. So we're looking at an average of 500 yards apiece. But quite frankly, I, I just, I'm leaning heavily in the under column. I think you would need one of these guys, probably Watson, to really take a big chunk of this. Probably would need to near 1,000 yards because between... Dobbs and Rodgers, and it, it could be any combination, but there's a good chance that one of these guys doesn't play hardly at all, and I'm leaning toward Dobbs, and I know nobody likes that or agrees with that, but there's just a lot of guys, and the Packers don't like to rely on young guys unless they really, really need them or they really, really have shown something, and with Lazard being there and Cobb being there and you know, probably wanting to push Watson and having Sammy Watkins and Amari Rodgers is going to have some kind of a role, even if it's a minor role in this offense, I could see Dobbs getting very, very, very limited time on the field. And so JJ laid it out as 700 yards for Watson, 250 for Dobbs, 400 for Rodgers. I don't, I don't hate that. 
But I would say even that might be a little overly optimistic. Um, if Watson, I will never get that right, gets 700 yards, I mean, he he's near the top for rookie receivers. I understand this is a different environment, different situation, given the, the dependency we may have on him, but I think we might overstate that a bit. So I don't know that he gets to 700. I would, I would almost go under on all of these, on, on all of JJ's predictions. He has him at 1350 with 700 for Watson. I would probably, if I had to guess, say under. 250 for Dobbs, 400 for Amari. Amari was a rookie last year and got 45 yards total. So maybe it would be like Amari gets 250 and um, Dobbs is kind of in that 45, 50 range. So, you know, I'm not saying it's my prediction, but I could see it being closer to 500, 100, 200, putting it at, at about half that. Doesn't have to be. I, you know, it, it, each one of these guys is an individual. You never know. Maybe Amari does kind of break out and he gets to that 400 yards. Maybe Dobbs gets 500 yards. Maybe, you know, Watson gets 1,000. But even then, which is, you know, pie in the sky for all of it, what are we at, 1,700? So the, the, the ceiling is very close to 1,500. The floor is, is much lower. It's, it's half that. So I think the safe bet would be under 1,500 yards for the three of them. I am kind of curious where everybody stands on this. So I might do a polls based on all these just so we can kind of review it tomorrow. Jones and Dylan, he says the next one, 200, or excuse me, 2,500 rushing and receiving yards. So total scrimmage yards. Well, last year, receiving yards, you've got 833 yards between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. If you add in the 840 rushing yards for Aaron Jones, 828 rushing yards for A.J. Dillon, that puts you at 2,501. This is for regular and postseason. I don't see anything specifying just regular season. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over. I think just based on the increased role as receivers, based on Devontae leaving, right? As I've said, when he leaves, those targets have to go somewhere. Some of them will go to Jones and Dillon. So that's sort of an easy over for me. Obviously, it doesn't have to be, but that, that seems to be where I would like to go with that. Tunyon and Deguara, 750 receiving yards. So last year, Deguara had 245 yards. Robert Tunyon was averaging 25 yards per game. I don't know how many games he's going to play. We can call it, what, 12 maybe? I don't know. That would put him at 300 yards. Josiah Deguara, 245, so 545. What did you say, 750? There is going to be an increased role. I mean, the, 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 here's the thing. Is Tunyon going to blow up? Is he going to be healthy, and is he going to blow up? Is he going to be a major target? If so, then yeah, probably over, but it's kind of similar to the wide receiver thing where there's just more scenarios in which it's under in my mind than over. I mean, injuries alone is kind of a, you know, if any of these guys get hurt. I do think they both get increased, but, you know, three, what are we at here? You would need almost like a 50% increase in receiving yards to be able to get there, which is hefty. But at the same time, 750 is not that much, and, and Tunyon could get that by himself, feasibly. So it's, it's, it's not a very confident under, but just based on, you know, raw, boring numbers, probably go under. And again, a lot of that has to do with the health of Tunyon. I don't know how, if, if he plays week two, we're talking about 16 games or, or however many in the postseason, you know, DeGuara had 17 last year. Now we're talking 400 yards plus Josiah, Josiah's 245, puts us at 645, let's call it 650. We're only 100 away. I could easily see that going up. So that's, that's another big thing. But, but again, even at that, if it doesn't go up, even with Tunyon healthy the entire season, we don't reach it. So I'll, I'll stick with under, just not very confident. Rodgers, 4,000 passing yards. Rodgers has pretty much always been a lock uh, for 4,000 yards with the exception of, you know, injured seasons. Granted, he's been close a couple times, but not even close enough. I mean, as I've said, maybe we go down two, 300 yards with the loss of Devontae Adams, which seems like a lot, but uh, last year, 2021, 4,300, so we would still hit it, 49, 45, 44, uh, skip the injured season, 54, 42, 92, 2015 would maybe be a year where we would drift down below, but that was already a really kind of baked in bad year, 48, 48, 49, so 
it would have to be a pretty significant drop off for Rodgers to be below 4,000 yards. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the over there. Pending injuries, again, obviously that that's going to play. Yeah, and you're adding a game. That additional game is going to increase the and again, this is regular and postseason that I'm I'm looking at. I'm I'm look, talk, talking about his total for the season, and I'm assuming we get into the playoffs, and that's going to add a little bit here and there. So maybe I'm cheating with some of these overs, but it is what it is. Gary, 14 and a half sacks. This is one where I'm I'm going to say under, and I'm going to feel sad about it. But 14 and a half is 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 a lot, and it kind of depends how you want to look at it. But again, I just see more scenarios where it's under. He would have to do a couple things. Number one, replicate his his success rate. He has to stay up. He can't drift downward and start, you know, his pressure rate goes down and all that kind of stuff. Number two, he has to start converting more pressures to sacks, which he hasn't done to this point. And even then, to be able to get to 14 and a half or 15 is going to be rough. You know, last year, his pressures were superhuman. They were probably not going to be replicated. He got to nine and a half sacks. So he's he's going to struggle to try to remain that good of a pass rusher while also, again, converting more. It, it just, again, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the, uh, I'm going to stick with the under on that. Then he says, Wyatt and Inigbar, six sacks. Well, um, that's, it seemed like an easy under, but I think it really just comes down to how much time they're going to play. And I think Kingsley is the biggest question mark for me. I don't know that he's going to play very much. And when he does, I don't see a lot of sack production. You know, Jonathan Garvin had two sacks last year. He played all year. And so even if we give him two, what are the odds that Wyatt gets four? Kenny Clark had four. The only thing that makes me nervous, it's, it's, it's kind of a low bar to hit, you know? You know, Dean had six sacks. And, and just to be able to combine you know, Kingsley Kiki had three. So even if he fills in that Kiki role, who only played 12 games, let's say he gets three and uh, Enigbar, still not entirely sure how to say his name, Kingsley takes the Jonathan Garvin path and gets two. We're at five. It's just, it's very close as it is. But it's also entirely possible that Kingsley gets zero. You know, he just, he doesn't play very much. And when he does, he just doesn't get a sack. So that's sort of the problem. Again, the floors are so low. And I think the ceilings are, are low. So, you know, in, in order to reach these, you almost have to hit your ceiling. And so I, I think the, you know, zero to four for Wyatt is kind of a range that makes sense. Zero to two for Kingsley is kind of a range that makes sense. And so again, the, the absolute peak that I could see is six. And the floor is, is, is zero. Uh, Jair and Stokes, eight interceptions. I'm pretty comfortable saying under. If we take the top two guys last year, we're at eight. Uh, that would be Razul Douglas and Chandon Sullivan with five and three. That puts us at eight. Again, the ceiling, you, all of your over-unders are, are, seem to be very optimistic with the exception of, of Aaron Rodgers, whereas the ceiling is basically where you're setting the line. And again, I don't see, I mean, five interceptions is a lot. Four interceptions is a lot, and to have two guys with four and four would be tough. Razul getting five is, was kind of crazy, and I don't see that happening again. So we're, we're kind of talking about, are they going to get four and four? Or is one of them going to really kind of ball out? You know, Jair possibly could be that guy. Sometimes guys just have that one season where they just get a ton of picks. But they're very rare, and to have, to have that happen in Green Bay again, and to have it be one of those two, and to have the other guy pick up the slack, you know, even if Jair gets five, we need Stokes to get three. Stokes had one last year. So I'm kind of putting a realistic ceiling at about five, and you put it at eight. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable with under. I mean, if 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 Jair gets three and Stokes gets two, that's huge. Then you got Savage and Amos with eight picks. Again, I just Amos in his very long, very impressive career has never topped three. So is Savage going to get? I mean, is is he going to hit his peak and Savage is going to get five? He did have four in 2020, but he, again, give them both their peaks, you're talking seven. So for over-under, it's, it's at a maximum seven. And I'll probably make it a little bit higher than with corner because it's entirely possible they both end up with, you know, at, at corner they could end up with three, that combo. I think they get more than three here. But two out of three years, Savage has ended up with two picks. Three out of the last four years, uh, Amos has had three picks. So I'm looking at about five for somewhat realistic. And again, which is pretty far away from 
from eight. Uh, number nine, he's got Quay Walker, six picks plus sacks. Well, um, as far as it's, it's it's tough because you got to look at it from from both angles here. What what is the the highs and lows for each? And obviously zero would be that. Um, interceptions. It's 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 again. It's just such a hard thing to get. Devondre Campbell had two, right? So I would say an optimistic upside would be two. There were only four linebackers in the entire NFL that had more than two. So, you know, one would be great. Two is kind of pie in the sky, in my opinion. So the the big thing is, what is he going to be as far as bringing pressure and getting sacks? But even so, if he gets one, we need five sacks, and there were only four guys in the NFL that had five or more. Kyle Van Noy, Eric Kendricks, Jerome Baker, and then Micah Parsons had 14 because he's a psychopath. But even guys like Roquan, I mean, Roquan Smith had um, three sacks and a pick. That's four. So, I mean, we know Micah Parsons and Jerome Baker got it because Micah had 14 sacks and Jerome had six pressures, or excuse me, six sacks by himself. So that obviously does it. Kendricks had five sacks and two picks. Kyle Van Noy hit it. Devin White did not. He had four sacks, no picks. Quan had four sacks, one pick, so he didn't hit it. I mean, just going down the line, basically nobody else hit it. You had Anthony Barr, three sacks, three interceptions. I think that's probably it. Oh, nope. Logan Wilson had five picks in a sack. So like four linebackers, five linebackers, something like that in the entire NFL hit this mark. So again, I'm just, I'm, I'm going under. I, I don't see, um, you know, and then if you, if you look at rookies on top of that, it's Micah Parsons and nobody. I mean, you look at the excitement for guys like Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa, real exciting prospect and all that, and he did a good job, good run defender. Cleveland, I think, likes him. The fans like him. Everything was great. First-round pick, but he had three sacks and no picks, so he got halfway there. You know, Jamin Davis, he got to one. Nick Bolton had zero. Zaven Collins had zero. Jabril Cox had zero. So, again, fairly comfortable under with that. And then Packers 12 and a half win. I think you set the line properly on this one. Uh, it's tough because how do you bet against the Packers with 13 wins? Because they, every year I assume, well, they probably won't get to 13, but they'll have a good team and then they get to 13. You do have that extra game, so you can take another swing at 13. And it, it's, it's hard because, you know, there's just a mathematical part of my brain that says like, you know, eight wins is the norm and anything above that or below that, there's a, there's a force in the universe that pulls you toward it. And, you know, if you're, if you're real good, you get 12, you get 13, you get 14, you get 15 wins, whatever. Um, but it, it doesn't last. And it, even if you regress, it doesn't even mean you're bad. Good teams win 10, 11 games. Super Bowl champions win, you know, 12 games, 11 games, less than that. So, you know, it's not even a matter of, is the team going to get worse? I mean, sometimes stuff just, I mean, you, you could get better and lose more games. You know what I mean? The individual games are, are a decent marker for how good you are, but it's, it's not the, the full story. That's why when you get to the playoffs, you don't just say, well, let's look at the record and see who the best teams are. You dig deeper than that. You know, there's point differential and DVOA and, you know, the trends where, you know, most of their losses or, or you know, whether it be DVOA, PFF grade, all that stuff, it's all lower because of how they perform the first half of the season. But you look the last three, four, five weeks, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. So there is there is that part of me that just says, go with the under because it, it makes the most sense. But then there's the also the part that feels like I'm being a hypocrite because I'm saying, don't expect regression just because Devontae left. You know, the wide receivers aren't as good, but that doesn't even necessarily mean less passing yards. That's a separate thing. And with the improved offensive line, maybe. Additional production from the running backs, maybe. Possibly even improved performance from Aaron Rodgers, which again, you know, from the outside looking in, you say, well, that's just a Packer fan being biased, saying, oh yeah, things are going to get better without Devontae. That's stupid. The point is, we've seen it. We've seen it from Aaron Rodgers, and we've seen it from multiple other quarterbacks. You take away that guy that, that has you just blinded. You know, I still remember Tony Romo throwing to triple coverage in, to, to Des Bryant. Like, what are you doing? He's got three guys on him. And granted, some of the times he'd catch it. 
But I, I, I just, I remember seeing that and just thinking, this is a, him being on the team is a detriment. There, there's what I remember it vividly. I don't know if it was a playoff game. I don't know if, it, I don't think it was the Packers. I just remember watching it. And Dez was always on the sidelines screaming, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. And it started to get to Romo where he would start doing it, just start launching it up to him. But I saw that one time, there were three guys running stride for stride with Des Bryant. He went up and tried to catch it and didn't catch it. And I just thought, this is a detriment to this team, him being on the team. Even with him being the clear number one wide receiver, it would be better if he wasn't on the team because that is crazy. But, you know, improved defense, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to say under just because 13 wins is so incredibly difficult. It's similar to the Rashawn Gary thing where if, if they get it or blow past it, you look back and go, yeah, you coward, you know? it's one thing to talk a big game, but then when it's put your money where your mouth is, you go under. You talk all this big game about Rashawn Gary, and then we say put your money where your mouth is, and you're like, nah, I don't think so. That's the part I don't like, but but I'm just going with what makes the most sense to me from a nerdish standpoint. I, I can't get past that. It's just, it's such a high marker. Very, very doable, right? I'm not over here saying, you know, Kingsley Enigbar is going to get 14 and a half sacks. I'm talking about Rashawn Gary, who was one of the best pass rushers in football last year. Very, very doable. I'm just, I just think the safe money would be under. If you, if you forced me to put my house on the line, I would go under. And the same with the Packers wins. It's hard for anybody to get 13 wins. Anyways, Justin, I appreciate you, man. Justin's been around for a long time, man. I love, I love seeing that. I, I love seeing just these guys that, you know, you, you don't really think about it, but when you do, when I just kind of sit here and think about it, it's like, man, this guy has been, like a lot of other guys, been around for a long time. Years. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about. It's a weird little Packernet community. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break, come back, talk about some more stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's funny, my, my son was trying to give me some examples of, uh, had the, the super moon last night or whatever. I didn't see it, but he was just kind of nerding out, telling me all the stuff he heard about how many houses, you know, uh, the, the moon is, how big it is, this giant floating rock out there. It just reminded me of something that I feel that the world should know. You know how there's, there's all these different ways in which 
people try to illustrate to you how big things are. You know, there's that video where you zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out. And it's like, holy cow, it just puts things into perspective or, it, you know, it shows like the difference between the earth and the sun and just, you know, whatever. There, there are visual representations that kind of blow your mind. The one that I think blows my mind more than anything that I've ever seen, and and I'm pretty sure it's true. It was on some science show. I don't know. Maybe it it seems it's still still to this day it seems impossible. Illustrating essentially how big you know what it was. I think it was um that famous scientist guy who does all those videos. He's got some trippy stuff on there, man. I I didn't like it. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I didn't really like him. Something weird about him. There still kind of is, but he's he's got that show where he's on with that other guy. I think the thing that annoys me the most is it seems like they really don't like each other, and he doesn't like, I don't know, it's it's weird. Anyways, pretty sure it was him, so we'll call it reliable. It's not Packers related, just bear with me because it's crazy. If you look at a cue ball, we're talking pool ball, the white one, billiards ball, whatever, these balls are inspected. Now, to the naked eye, they are perfectly smooth. In my mind, there there is not a divot or or anything on it, but if you put it up to a you know, if you, you laser measure it or whatever, there's there's a certain tolerance for how bumpy essentially it can be, and there and, and it is. It's it's so fractionally small that we don't even notice it. But in order to pass inspection, it has to be this level of of bumpy. Think about how tall our peaks are when you're talking the tallest mountains and how low our valleys are. Just miles. Did you know the Earth is smoother than a cue ball when you measure? The distance up and down compared to around or whatever that measurement is, the earth is, if you were to hold the earth in your hand, it would be smoother than a freaking cue ball. That if you tried to find a mountain on the earth, if you were holding it in your hand, you wouldn't be able to find it. Decided to Google it. Um, It was Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I also found some nerdy science blogs that said it's not true, but even so... If it's off by a little bit, the point is, roughly, that's crazy. It's crazy to me. Anyways, Andrew in the Facebook group also had a uh, question, comment, concern, I guess you would say. Um, He says, and and it's very clear that he's referencing something, and I have no idea what he's right. And I I think we've had this issue with Andrew before where he kind of does what I do, where he saw something, and then he goes on a tirade, and everybody's like, I don't know what you're even talking about. But anyways... He says, I'm at a loss here. Why is Chris Barnes a lock for the roster? First of all, I didn't know he was. This is news to me. I, I didn't know that. Um, but but let's continue. Supposedly, he's a big hitter, but his run defense grades last year were appalling. He's only 6'2", 235, so not a big rangy guy, and he's terribly slow with 4'8", At that speed, Barnes can't cover more than a second or two, so no help there. And short, slow guys are, are nearly worthless for special teams. Any pass rush from him only comes because the offense is so shocked we send it. Yes, he's assignment sure, but that only saves you uh, if no one else learns their job. I don't get it. Backup linebackers are supposed to be fast athletes providing special teams, gunning, and developmental potential on defense, not assignment sure turtles who can't cover blitz or catch up with running backs to tackle them. Summers, McDuffie, Wilborn, Carpenter, these are jets you can send on special teams coverage. And let's not forget Randy forget Randy Ramsey, who has inside-outside potential. If any of these can develop at all inside, like at all, shouldn't we keep them over Barnes? I'm open on this guy. I'm open on this, guys. Educate me, because right now I have no earthly idea why Barnes is the lock. So let's start with uh, a couple things. First of all, again, number one, I don't think he is with the with bringing in Quay Walker, every, everybody's job is up for grabs. However, the obvious answer to the question here is, and, and, and it, it doesn't necessarily, um, it kind of depends what you're, what you're asking. Are you asking this from the standpoint of what fans think? Like, why, why do fans think that this is going to happen? Or why in the world would the Packers do this? Because the obvious answer is Chris Barnes is the next guy. That's why. He was the, the number two linebacker um, by a mile especially when you factor in Oren Burks is not a thing anymore, right? The, Devondre Campbell, 1,041 snaps. Chris Barnes, 564. Ty Summers, 29. Isaiah McDuffie, 1. So he's a lock insofar as the Packers clearly see him as the number three right now. But to get to the further question of, okay, but why? Again, depending on what you're asking, if, if you're asking fans, why would you think that? That's why you would think that, because that's what the Packers are doing. But as far as why in the world are the Packers doing that? I really think it's because he fits the mold. And, and I know that's, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but 
he he just kind of does. I mean, he, he's not as good. He's not as tall. He's not as fast. But 6'1", 235 is, is the, the Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell mold. You know, he's, he's a tackler, right? It's, he's 6'1", 235, and he tackles well. That's, that is, that is what, what they have. That's what they look for. And I know what fans want is Ty Summers. Fans are obsessed with, with the, you know, and I, I don't even know how fast he really is. He's 6'1", 241. He's bigger than a lot of the other guys. What was his 40 time? Yeah, four five one. So he, he, you know, for a late round guy, especially being a little bit heavier than the others at four five one, that's pretty impressive. And there's always been that level of, you know, especially Summers and McDuffie, a feeling of this is the way we need to go. I want this the the faster guys that are you know special teams potential um, that can probably cover because that's the assumption because they're faster. I think maybe we put a little bit too much into that, especially when we're talking about marginal speed. You know, we want to like Isaiah McDuffie, 6'1", 224, runs a 4.59. But there, there's just, there's always going to be these disconnects between the fans going, why don't you just do that? And the Packers going, eh. And this, this is just a major pain point, I think, for a lot of fans. Just don't get it. Draft the Isaiah McDuffies, draft the, the Ty Summers. And they do. They, they get the guys, but then they just don't like them. Ultimately, though, I, I think it's... I think it's kind of a moot point either way. I, I think you're right, and, and you're, you're frustrated by it, and that's fine. But ultimately what it is is Barnes is the guy because he can do his job. He doesn't do it well. The Packers know he doesn't do it well. That's why we drafted a linebacker, right? That's, that's the whole point. They don't like any of these guys. They don't like Barnes. He's not good enough. But they trust him more than the other guys. So Barnes was the guy that was forced out there because we don't have a lot of other options. Summers, McDuffie, Wilborn, Carpenter, they're just, they're just not out there. Now, as you said, maybe they'll end up learning things. That's fine. But it's sort of a moot point, again, as I said, because we got two guys that are going to start and that's it. Now, as far as, you know, well, let's keep guys that are good on special teams. I, you know, just because a guy runs fast doesn't mean he's good on special teams. Maybe you like the upside of it. I, you know, whatever. But you you are probably right. Um, I, I don't know. I, it depends how many linebackers we keep. If we keep four, then number four is just a special teams guy. I don't know if there's number three, I, 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 I think the biggest issue, and again, this is sort of a difference between fans and the team. I think some fans, yourself included, probably myself included, take that number three guy and just make him a stud special teamer. I don't think teams and the Packers especially like to do that. Maybe they'll move in that direction. I don't know. But I just think they've always had this thing of if you're on the roster, you have to be able to play. You know, again, that was the whole thing with Trevor Davis. Well, we got to get rid of him because he's not good enough as a wide receiver or Jeff Janis. He, he's just not cutting it as a wide receiver. I don't care. I don't care that our number six wide receiver is not a great wide receiver. He's the best gunner in the NFL. I don't care. But guess what? They cut him because you got to be a wide receiver. If you're going to be a wide receiver, be a wide receiver. If you can't, you don't, you, you, you're not going to be here. I don't get it. I, if, if it's me, fine. Cut him as a wide receiver. Make him just a special teamer. Make a gunner position. Make a return man position. I don't care. Make an official position, and that's all they do. Stop putting him in wide receiver meetings. Make him just special teamers. But teams don't do that. So even if we we come all the way in in agreeing on just about everything and say, okay, they're not going to play very much, so the number three guy should be the best special teamer. And I think, you know, McDuffie and Summers would make better special teamers, so we should have those guys in there and just get rid of him and all that stuff. I don't think they're going to do that because ultimately they're going to look at McDuffie and Summers, presumably. I mean, again, as you said, if, if they learn to be better linebackers, then it's not even a question. Of course, they're going to take that spot, which again, kind of comes down to who are you talking to? But if we're just talking about it should be the best special teamer, I don't think that's how that's going to work. They're going to, they're going to take a guy, they're, they're looking at the, the team and saying, in a dire situation filled with injuries, we need a guy that can fill in and can play. And if it's not him, if it's not Summers, if it's not McDuffie, it's it's just going to be Barnes. And we can, you know, be upset about it, but that's just the way it's going to be. Now, question is, sorry, you're hearing all the deeps. I got to mute that. People in the old Discord and whatnot. I think I muted it now. I don't know. What the heck was I talking about? Oh, special teams. The biggest issue with this is we don't really have a lot of good special teamers. Uh, there were six of them, Oren Burks, who again, it's like, if you just wanted to say, you know what, it's not working out, but at least he's a special teamer and he's got that, we drafted him in third round, so there's the potential and all that stuff. You'd keep him. Why not just keep him? He's not going to cost any money because as a linebacker, he was terrible. And the Packers said, he's got to go. 
and now he's a 49er. Uh, TJ Slayton, Devondre Campbell, Razul Douglas, Sean Davis, who played uh, nine snaps in one game, and Henry Black was our one kind of stud on special teams. The other five were good. If you look at other linebackers and where they rank, Ty Summers was the next best with a 65.8 overall grade, but Chris Barnes is one spot behind him with 64.6. The difference is not that staggeringly different. You know, if Chris Barnes was like in the 40s and Ty Summers was like an 80, then yeah, you look at it and go, hey, this guy's a stud. We got to do something. He's not. Ty Summers is not a stud. And Isaiah McDuffie was one of the worst special teamers on our entire team. And he played a ton of special teams, 211 snaps. He played more than just about the entire team. And um, he was down there with a 43 overall grade, one, two, three, four, fifth worst special teamer on the entire team. So again, we, we can postulate that, hey, he's faster. He'll be a better special teamer, a better gunner or whatever. But that just wasn't the reality. Chris Barnes was as good as Ty Summers. The only guy that was any good at linebacker special teams is Oren Burks, who's gone, and Devondre Campbell, who's still there. And, and, and again, it's kind of the same thing with, well, he's faster so he can cover better. Well, we don't know that. Devondre Campbell is not, you know, the speediest guy in the world. I mean, four five eight isn't bad, but he's covering guys that run four fours. You know, and we see that at corner all the time. It's not just a matter of, hey, this guy runs a four three, that guy runs a four you know, four, five, two at corner. So obviously this wide receiver is going to win. That's just not the way it goes. I don't know how it goes or why it goes, but it goes. Devondre Campbell had an 82.2 coverage grade. That doesn't make sense. Again, I'm not implying he's slow, but he's, he's just, he's not, you know, there are linebackers in the NFL today that are, that are four, four guys. He's basically a four, six guy. So I'm, I'm not trying to defend Chris Barnes. I've, I've never been on the Chris Barnes. I don't, but the point is I don't like any of these guys and I don't think the Packers like any of these guys. That's why we drafted a new one. So it, it, it's kind of a moot point. It doesn't really matter. Chris Barnes probably is going to be that guy simply because he's just a better linebacker. And, and that might not make sense because he's not as athletic. But again, who cares? Being athletic doesn't automatically make you a good linebacker. I know you know that, but I'm just, I'm just talking through it is all I'm doing. Preaching to the choir with me with not being a Chris Barnes fan. I know um, a lot of people real big on Chris Barnes. You know, 2020, he got off to a real hot start those first two weeks, and it was like, oh man, we might have something here. And then he just completely fell off and was horrible the rest of the year, with the exception of the Carolina game, week 15. But just abysmal. I mean, between week six and week 14, I don't think there was a worse linebacker in football than Chris Barnes. But again, that's why we drafted a new guy right there. And ultimately, we don't really need or want any of them to be special teamers. None of them are really that great. So, them's my thoughts. Um, Hopefully, that got across all right anyways um i think the final thing i want to talk about and and well you know what maybe there's two things i'm going to squeeze this in here um i'm i'm going to complain and then i'm going to read something that somebody sent me on twitter a vikings fan um basically telling me why packer fans can be obnoxious for the amount of complaining so i'm i'm going to prove him right and then then read what he says <laughs> but i caught this article here um aaron nagler had retweeted it and basically called him out as being ridiculous. And, and and he is. And the main point here is this, and you probably already know this. There are some great resources and great data and great analytics out there. SIS, Football Outsiders, PFF, Sharp Football Analysis, or whatever it's called, which again is, is basically just SIS data, but he kind of does stuff with it. All kinds of good stuff out there. But just because Football Outsiders, for example, and PFF is, is famous for this, just because they have really good data doesn't mean the people that write for that site are, um, you don't get the same thing. And, and, and I think it, it's kind of frustrating. I think if I ran Football Outsiders, I would say what we do here is we present data. We just present data. This is what it is. It's not really something you can argue with. And, and what we don't do is get real heavy into opinion. And we certainly don't want to skew away from the data. It's what I like to do on this podcast, which is mostly to just say, here is the information. Here is my conclusion from the information, but here's the information, and I'm fine with you taking it and going wherever you want to go with it. I, I bring that up because, again, PFF is famous for this. The people on their social media, and even, even when you listen to some of their shows, it's like, man, it's so hard. It, it, it makes it hard for me to go to PFF and try to present something to you because they're so bad and they present so many false and, and ridiculous things. But you have to separate it out. The data is separate. Somebody came up with these formulas and things, um, and they continually tweak these to try to give really good data and information and all that. And that's all good. But some of these people come out that, that, that 
it's separate than somebody who just starts writing their opinions. Um, Mike Tannier, I'm not sure who, who he is, but he starts in, and it's been a while since I've seen something like this. So I haven't had the opportunity to see it and seethe and, and want to just, um, kind of launch into somebody. I'm going to try not to do that, but it just, it, it gets to be so absurd. And, and what I've said, I said this before, and a lot of this came out when the whole vaccine thing was a thing. And what you'd find is the writers would invalidate everything they're about to say with their opening statements about how much they hate him because of his personal decision. It makes me realize that the person writing is a bad person who's writing in bad faith, who is using their own personal biases and their own anger to pretend to write something that is insightful and really it's just a way to lash out. And some people are honest about this. There, there, there's that uh, goofball loser who writes the Why Your Team Sucks article every year. I cannot see. He's a Vikings fan, so he goes hard. And But the point is, he's he says what he's doing. I am an angry person who writes articles that tell you why your team sucks. And, and I go real hard at the Packers because I hate the Packers. And so I'm just going to basically... It's a yearly tradition. I'm just going to call them rednecks and racists, and um, and then that'll be the end of the article. But you get a lot of that here um, with Mike talking about the Packers. And again, the, the, the point of the article is, if we look up at the top, NFC North Camp Preview. Find Aaron Rodgers some weapons. Okay, well, that's irrelevant. We should be talking about the NFC North Camp Previews. And just kind of leave it at that. But again, this is Football Outsiders. I'm looking for some some data and something I can really use and utilize, right? This is a trusted source for data. Here is how the article starts for the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers 2022 training camp preview. Heading into camp, Aaron Rodgers lacks the patience, social skills, human decency to mumble polite platitudes about his new receiving core. I'm sorry, what? What are you, What? What is going on here? I mean, this is, this is like Aaron Rodgers' ex-girlfriend wrote this article. What are you so mad about? Where is this? This is Football Outsiders. This is a data website. This is, should be insight that you're not going to find anywhere else. That's the point of the website. I come here to rise above social media garbage and to be so angry at a person that you can't even give us to, to, to essentially slander your own website and to degrade the reputation of a site like Football Outsiders, which is fighting a war. PFF, Football Outsiders, the, the crazy thing is these, these guys are fighting a war that is going on between the, you know, there's the film guys, there's the data guys, and there's everybody in between. And the point is a lot of people look at the, the data and the analysis and they say that that's, that's garbage. And they're, they're trying to prove daily that this is good information and using data is important and the NFL should do it more and fans should utilize it and understand it. Like, you know, yesterday, I think it was yesterday when I was, oh, what the heck was I talking about? Oh, the, the, the coverage in pass rush, it, 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 again, it like hurt my soul to say it because I just, I, I instinctively know that pass rush is so important. It's the most important thing. You got to have pass rushes. You got to get to the quarterback and data is saying that, that yes, but no. We're, we're drifting away from that, and we should. Coverage, 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 corners, safeties, coverage linebackers, disguising this, and it, it, it's, it's all about taking away passing ability. Well, you can get to the court, yeah, but, you know, you get the ball out fast. It, it's just, it's not as effective. Data says these things, and, and football purists, which I, most people have a blend of, of all of these things, but I, I, I struggle with so many of these data points, but that's the point. That, that's what these guys are trying to fight against. And then you have somebody come out and completely discredit your entire rep reputation. I'm supposed to trust that this is unbiased, real solid data. And again, it's separate, but it's not really. What, what, what value does this bring to anything? Aaron Rodgers lacks the patience, social skills, human decency to mumble polite platitudes about his new receiving core. First of all, he literally just did this like a week ago very publicly, on Pat McAfee. He just did it. The article was written 23 hours ago, so it's not true. But I don't think it matters that it's not true. He doesn't look it up because he doesn't care. This is a person who hates Aaron Rodgers. And yes, I think it's because of his personal biases. I believe it's because he's a friend of Joe Rogan and didn't take the vaccine and probably some other comments that he's made in the past. 
but it just it just blows my mind for this stuff. I mean, and and again, it's it's fine. I do this stuff when we're talking about the Bears or whatever, but that's that's what I do. I'm I'm telling you I'm biased. I'm telling you that. I'm going to keep trashing the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions every chance I get because it's funny because I'm a Packers podcaster. And if you wanted to start this article off saying, hey, I'm a Bears fan and here's what I think and whatever, but the, the guy's from New Jersey. He's a, probably a Jets fan or something. I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy. Actually, let's find out a little bit about the guy because I think it's going to illuminate some things. He's been writing Football Outsiders Almanac chapters for so long he feels like, eh, who cares, blah, blah, blah. Mike recently wrapped up a six-year run as the NFL lead columnist for Bleacher Report. Oh, does that, does that fill in some gaps? And again, I think Football Outsiders is looking at this as we're a big institution. We want to get some big writers, but you're getting a Bleacher Report writer, dude. That's a bad move for a data website. His popular Monday Morning Digest feature will presumably be replaced by TikTok videos, cartoon gifts of Lamar Jackson, and long apologies. Okay. So we're not even trying to be serious. Got it. I don't know. I, I, I just think you should keep it separate. I mean, if you look at Aaron Schatz, who is like the Football Outsiders guy, look at what stuff he's posting. Last year, Jacksonville Jaguars had the second lowest rate of drives ending in turnovers of any defense since 1993. Only the 2018-49ers 40 were worse. Look at this table and how many more turnovers the defense got the following year. Very positive regression signal for Jaguars. This is football outsiders stuff. But anyways, that's just the first sentence. Let's continue on. So unless someone emerges immediately as the next Devontae Adams, Packer fans can look forward to a long summer of vacant stares and passive-aggressive negging. The heck is nagging? That's the other thing. The, the guy is so, he, he clearly has like a master's degree in writing or he's trying to pretend he does because he's one of those guys that obnoxiously uses big words or not even big words, just unusual ones, you know, like, like he just, he sleeps with a thesaurus. You know, he, he'll write a sentence and be like, I want to change this to a word nobody knows so I can sound smart. The heck is nagging? Let's look it up because I'm not afraid to say I don't know that word. Negging is an act of emotional manipulation whereby a person makes a deliberate backhanded compliment or otherwise flirtatious remark. Good one. You could have just said passive-aggressive comments because it kind of sounds redundant. You said passive-aggressive and then you put in a word that means passive-aggressive comments. So again, let's, let's pause here for a minute. If someone doesn't emerge immediately as Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers is going to be passive-aggressive, negative, angry. Sorry about my phone blowing up. Someone's supposed to call me, so I wanted to leave that not on vibrate so I could hear it. So sorry about that. Got an important business call. Anyways, stupid. That's Clayton blowing me up, by the way. <laughs> if you're annoyed, call Clayton. Tell him to stop messaging me when I'm doing the podcast. Not that anybody has any idea when I'm doing it, but I'm just saying. Tell him about it. Again, it's stupid. This, this is not data. This is not information. This is not even realistic. What he's doing is pretending that last year, what happened is Aaron Rodgers was just moping all year. We've seen that from Aaron Rodgers, but last year wasn't that year. He didn't have any issue with the teammates. There was no issue in the locker room. There was no issue with the front office, the coaches, nothing. It was a perfectly perfect year. I, I, I really believe there are people that hate Aaron Rodgers for whatever reason, and they loved what happened in the offseason. They loved the tension. They loved that Aaron Rodgers hated the front office and the front office hated Aaron Rodgers. It was this beautiful thing. And they just wanted everybody to hate Rodgers. They wanted all the fans to turn on Rodgers. They wanted the team and the locker room to turn on Rodgers. That didn't happen. And they just pretend that it did. They pretend that last year wasn't just perfect, that there were no issues, that everything just went along wonderfully. He goes on to say, business as usual. In other words, except that Rodgers will be disgruntled at his young teammates in addition to the organization. And he crossed off instead of the organization, but put in it. So he, he thinks he's cute, I guess. I don't know. So he's, he's, he's going to be disgruntled at his teammates and the organization. He's going to hate him because that's just what he does every year. Although he did not do that last year at all. And he was very positive about the wide receivers. He hasn't been, he hasn't said one negative comment about Devonte Adams leaving or the front office failing or anything like that. He seems content that we did go out and get. So none of this makes any sense. So far, we've got no information other than Mike Tannier really doesn't like Aaron Rodgers at all and is painting a picture of him that is not accurate simply for the sake of, I feel like I'm going to start this off by just trashing Aaron Rodgers completely. By the way, none of that meant anything. He didn't even get to the part where he talks about the training kit. So now after that, so he had a full paragraph of Aaron Rodgers is a garbage human being. And then he says, so uh, camp battles to watch. <laughs> okay. Christian Watson rode draft Twitter helium and the Packers' idiosyncratic draft kinks into the second round. 
You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when I was in school and you, you'd get your textbooks or whatever and I would read it. And it was written by people who have doctorates and they want to talk to you like you have a doctorate. Although that's not really the point. The point is I have a doctorate and I need to sound really smart. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm stupid. And they write things way more complicated than they need. I have thrown books across my room so many times because I'll read a paragraph and I'm like, I don't know what these things mean. First of all, part of the reason is because you know how they give you those little blue words or whatever, and then on the side, it'll be the definition. So this is a thing you need to learn. So they just give you those words. I don't know what they mean. I don't remember what they mean. And then on the next page, they use seven of those words that you just learned. You don't know what they mean. So you got to refer back and be like, okay. So then I'm like writing the whole paragraph out, translating the words I don't know, translating the words that I just learned, and I'm creating this new thing. And by the time it's done, it basically says the most basic, simple thing in the world. But I had to spend a half hour deciphering this code of what the heck you're talking about. Just speak to me like a human being. I'm so sick of like, you got to know the lingo, you got because I want to sound smart. Just explain it to me. This is so simple and so stupid. It's not as complex as you make it out to be. You're not that freaking smart. If you would just speak to me like a normal person in normal language, you could try to get your point across. But no, I got to sit here and decipher what this sentence means. So an idiosyncrasy is a particular feature or characteristic. So Christian Watson wrote Draft Twitter Helium. I get that. I mean, I don't. It's not really true. I don't think there was that much love for Christian Watson. There was some, but not a ton. But anyways, that's his perception of it. And the Packers' idiosyncratic draft kinks into the second round. I, d I don't know what that means. I looked up the word idiosyncratic. It doesn't help at all. Christian Watson rode the Packers' idiosyncratic draft kinks into the second round. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. What unique draft kinks do the Packers have? And what do you mean he wrote it into the second round? Are you trying to refer to how the Packers do well in the second round and somehow that, you know, people overestimate how good you're going to be? Is that what you're trying to say? Because the sentence, I'm pretty sure, doesn't make sense. Uh, change the word into to in and maybe. Packers idiosyncratic draft kinks in the second round, which isn't a kink. I mean, it's, it's a, I, I have no idea, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes on to say he's a traits guy who didn't catch many passes in college, but everyone sounds certain he'll succeed anyways. Nobody is, nobody is thinking that. And, and what, do you, what, what are you talking about? This is camp battles to watch. And then he says Christian Watson is getting a ton of hype and he doesn't deserve it. Okay. What camp battle should I watch exactly? I guess it's just Christian Watson in comparison to the other guys that he's going to trash. So let's continue. Sammy Watkins is oft injured vaporware. What the? is vaporware. Vaporware is software or hardware that has been advertised but is not yet available to buy, either because it is only a concept or because it's still being written or designed. So it's like, you know, the, the next PS90 or whatever that's being advertised, but you can't buy it. I, I, I kind of see the connection of what you're talking about, but not exactly. He's not as advertised, kind of? I, I don't know, dude. Sammy Watkins is oft injured vaporware who endearingly daffy whose endearingly daffy worldview could make him part of a newly emerging inner circle of confidants likely to transform Rogers from your basic know-it-all podcaster into a character more like Aleister Crowley. I mean, I, I, I know what he's saying, but I want to, I still feel the need to decipher what exactly you're talking about. In other words, Sammy Watkins is crazy, and he's, he's so condescending when he says it. He's endearingly daffy worldview. You almost love him. He's so stupid. Oh, this is the most, this is a guy who, I don't know, I shouldn't be too mean. I just, again, he really thinks highly of himself. But anyways, Sammy Watkins is crazy. He's got some, you know, thoughts about aliens and stuff or whatever. But in other words, as a result of his craziness, that'll probably bring him into Aaron Rodgers' inner circle. And then Aaron Rodgers, because he's so stupid and he just believes everything, he's going to start believing all the stuff Sammy Watkins says. And that's going to make him more crazy, like Aleister Crowley, which I don't know much about Aleister Crowley. I got his Wikipedia up now because that's just what I want to know about him. The only thing I know about Aleister Crowley is the song Mr. Crowley um, by Black Sabbath or Ozzy or whatever. I guess he founded a religion. Crazy guy. I don't know. Could kind of elaborate on it, but I don't think it's really meant to be that deep. I think it's just meant to be Aleister Crowley's crazy and Aaron Rodgers is going to be crazy. Okay. Again, he can't even talk. He can't talk about anybody on the Packers without being a condescending D-bag. 
And then on top of that, he can't help himself but bringing Rodgers back into the equation and, and being condescending to him as well. Which again, I don't, I don't understand the point of this. Like I'm, I'm here to learn information and I'm just getting just pure anger. And it's weird. Who are you? Why are you so mad? I don't get it. Continuing on. Randall Cobb is an aging but effective slot receiver whose real role is to sit next to Rodgers on flights and nod through his rants about the First Amendment. Aw, see, there it is. He's mad that Rodgers is, is all about, you know, like, freedoms and stuff. He calls them rants. Probably angry, delusional rants. Like, you know, again, <laughs> he can't help himself. This is insane to me. I don't get it. I mean, I, I've never been this way about anybody. Except maybe Justin Fields. I... I <laughs> That guy that you just can't help but bring it back. But even that is meant to be more fun. I don't hate the guy at all. I have no, zero animosity toward the human being by the name of Justin Fields. Zero. I also fully acknowledge that he can be a great quarterback and all that. It's all in good fun. I want the Bears to fail, and I laugh at the fact that Justin Fields was a bad Bears quarterback. But there's, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't get it. He says, Alan Lazard had excellent DVOA metrics last year, thanks mostly to the three fine games on or after Christmas. He's someone Packer fans have insisted is just about to break out for four years. Again, just, I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily inaccurate, but you can just tell when somebody wants to hate. Football, DVOA is a football outsider's metric, so it's hard to go at Alan Lazard when the website you're writing for said he was a great receiver. So what does he do? He explains it away. Well, it was only because he had a good couple last game. That's what really pulled it up. Otherwise, he's, he's trash. And then he adds, he takes a swipe at Packer fans and Alan Lazard, basically saying Lazard will not break out, and Packer fans are just stupid because they keep saying he's going to break out and he won't. I've largely been on that train of, you got to stop, right? And every year, MBS is going to break out. Every year, Lazard's going to break out. But again, there's some potential there now that there is the vacuum. But we can't have those kinds of conversations because he's not trying to have a serious conversation. He's just being a jerk. Romeo Dobbs was Carson Strong's favorite receiver at Nevada. Remember when Carson Strong was a thing? <laughs> okay. Anyways, in short, this is not a playoff caliber receiving core, though it's better than what the Bears or pre-Jameson Williams Lions will feel. Rodgers will need to do a lot of heavy lifting to make these guys look good. Thanks. Uh, he adds in, newcomer to obsess over. It's Christian Watson, but on the defensive side of the ball, keep an eye on Georgia talent and, uh, infusion of tackle Devontae Wyatt and linebacker Quay Walker. Expectations for the Packers' defense are very high, but a lot of hopes are pinned on journeymen coming off of career year. Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas, I tend to agree. Not entirely. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but there's also several areas where there could be, you know, failure. And maxing out incumbents, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos maxed out incumbents. I don't necessarily believe that. Preston Smith, yes. Maxed out, my, my understanding of what he's saying, um, this is as good as it gets. Preston, yes. Kenny, absolutely not. Amos, no. I mean, you know, maxed out in terms of, is he going to get better? Probably not, but I don't need him to be better. He's been a top 20 safety for his entire career, basically, including the number two safety in football just two years ago. So, um, the only real point you're making here, I think, would be Preston in terms of a potential regression. But anyways, uh, Walker in particular adds much-needed speed to a pokey linebacker core. Okay, dude. Circle it date. Packers preseason games should be surprisingly fun to watch. Jordan Love will get lots of playing time, and he'll be throwing to receivers such as Watson, Dobbs, and Amari Rodgers. Bootleg, diet, Debo, extra light. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. In other words, he's a garbage Debo. Wow, thanks, dude. The Packers visit the 49ers on August 12th in what promises to be one of the most talked about, thanks largely to a fellow named Trey Lance, preseason game on the schedule. First of all, I agree, preseason is going to be awesome, despite his condescending comments about every single person. I'm surprised he didn't throw a shot at uh, Jordan Love. But then he goes on to say it's going to be a great matchup between the Packers and 49ers, thanks to Trey Lance, because nobody cares about anybody on the pack. Like, dude, okay, dude. He's got to be like a Vikings fan or something, right? I don't know. I, I just... I don't, I genuinely don't understand it. I really, really don't. What, what, what benefit did anybody get from this? What, what insights? You know, and it, again, it's frustrating because I try to do better here on the podcast and I'm trying to do better over on the Substack. I'm trying to find like details and insights to, to, to give to people. What is this? How do, how do you summarize this? I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate all of these wide receivers. 
And so the camp battle to watch is which wide receiver will emerge, but he doesn't even say that. He basically just says, I mean, it's not even a camp battle the way he described it. It's not a camp battle. What battle? Battle for what? They're all garbage. They're all just number threes and fours and fives, just flailing. It's not a battle. Camp battle might be like defensive tackle, just to see who gets what. You know, Devontae Wyatt, is he going to get in there? Camp battles are about who's going to emerge as the top dog or the the number two or whatever it happens to be. But the way you paint this, it's not a camp battle. Even his summary points to that. Summary doesn't say, you know, we'll see who emerges. It says, in short, these guys suck and Rodgers is going to have to do a lot of work. It's not a camp battle. There's just nothing here. There's no substance here. Maybe that's his whole thing. Maybe, maybe that's just like, I'm, I'm like the sassy guy who just says everybody sucks because I'm edgy. I don't, I don't know what his deal is, but this was stupid. So why did I read it? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't get it. I don't, know, I don't know what this provides to anyone. What did we learn by reading this? And again, if you want to go to Bleacher Report and write this garbage, fine. I don't care. I don't read Bleacher Report articles. But I don't know why football outsiders or PFF would employ these guys and be like, yeah, man, come in here and just provide nothing. Just vomit onto a page. That'll bring them in. And it probably does. It gets clicks. It gets all that stuff. But I just think it hurts the brand because what you do here is you provide statistics, insights. That's what you do. That's what you should keep doing. This is stupid. Keep this over on that fan rag nonsense. Anyways, I said I was going to read this from Peter, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'll, I'll try to get to it tomorrow if I can remember. Um, but just kind of wanted to give some insights from, an, from the outside. You know, from, from the Vikings fan standpoint, here's kind of how we view you guys and why we think what we think and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was pretty good, so I figured I would read it. Um, but again, we're, we're over an hour and I, I got to get, Got to get rocking here. So you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.